Plane Crazy Down Under's coverage of the Australian International Air Show is proudly brought to you by Aviation Advertiser, Australia's largest aviation marketplace. Make buying and selling aircraft easy by doing it online. Visit aviationadvertiser.com.au today. G'day folks and welcome back to Playing Crazy Down Under, episode 56 already, and uh, Avalon Quickcast number 3. Now Grant, we've had another busy day, we're sitting here at the end of it, and uh, boy, each day we come here we're just a little bit busier than we were the day before. Yeah, that's, that's probably because I'm working my butt off to organise a whole lot of interviews and make things happen, so uh, certainly having some fun meeting people and uh, getting us out there to uh, score a whole lot of interviews with some really interesting folks. Now uh, let's run through some of the things we've been doing today. Now not all this will be in this Quickcast, we'll talk about what's in this Quickcast in just a moment but we started off this morning with uh, something a little less high-tech and something that's quite, maybe not quite so quick and uh, that was the uh, the pilot of the RAAF hot air balloon. That's right he's a squadron leader and he uh, has amassed a lot of time flying a lot of different aircraft and helicopters and these days he's also doing a little bit of time flying the hot air balloon so that was right up my alley we had a good old chat with that. Absolutely and then we went around the corner and uh, to uh, British Aerospace or BAE Systems as they're known these days and uh, strapped on some fancy headgear I got to look like a character out of uh, Star Trek, like the Borg. That's right, you were Steve of Borg. Yeah, and it was amazing uh, looking at their uh, their helmet-mounted uh, sight system. I can't think of the name of it by then. So I'm, I'm quite tired by the their, end of the day. Uh, their Q-Sight. Q-Sight, there you go. Yeah. It was amazing too, and uh, the vision, it was. Uh, you, you wouldn't know that the... Uh, the little uh, lens was in front of your eye um, and, and basically uh, it was amazing to see whatever display they wanted they basically put a heads-up display there and it was basically superimposed in front of your vision um, anywhere you looked and it, it was really amazing yeah totally totally incredible stuff and uh, you seem to enjoy it we got some video from a Steve's eye perspective as well uh, so you'll you'll get to see that uh, when we release the video. You may see a snippet of it on our YouTube channel tonight when uh, Stephen Pam, our video guy, gets that out. Uh, and uh, yeah, when the main thing goes out, you'll get to see what Steve was uh, looking at the world through uh, his optical uh, enhanced vision. But uh, straight from there, we went down uh, right down the taxiway down towards uh, the area collectively known as Siberia, <laughs> where the B-52 and a number of other aircraft are parked. And uh, we got to check out the uh, MH-60R, the Romeo. Uh, we talked to a, a couple of uh, pilots and a sensor operator and a maintainer who are off the USS Shoop. That's anchored here in Port Phillip and uh, they've flown in and, uh, and are quite happy to talk to us. So we've got some great video in the cockpit in the back of the sensor operator area and had a good chat with the guys. Yeah, we had to talk to a couple of pilots and uh, a couple of the crew members as well, some maintainers. So uh, one of them was a little bit reluctant to, uh, to have a chat, but uh, he got the hang of it uh, pretty, pretty <laughs> he short. He settled order. in. Yeah, he settled in. He was, he was uh, not quite used to being uh, interviewed. He's normally in the background laughing at the guys being interviewed. But uh, from there, I went down with uh, Stephen Pam and we uh, hooked up with uh, the chief pilot from Piaggio and Lorenzo uh, there. And we uh, sat in the fully powered up cockpit of the Avanti 2 and uh, got to go through a few of the systems and uh, discuss the aircraft, its handling, its performance, uh, plus also his background. Uh, so that was... So that was quite a wonderful moment in there. It's a tight little cockpit to get into. You gotta be extra special careful, but uh, once you're in, it's an amazing aircraft. It was quite uh, similar to the Beach Starship in many ways. Um, so yeah, quite an interesting, an interesting looking aircraft. Uh, not a conventional looking aircraft, which is uh, really why it's so cool. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and uh, from there I went off, uh, Steve, you went back to do some more editing. And uh, I took off down the tarmac and uh, met up with a few people and had an interview of a kind that we don't normally 
we have here, and that was with uh, one of the RA, RAAF working dogs. Uh, so, it, so you interviewed the dog itself? Or the I, didn't episode, get, I, I didn't really get to interview the, the dog. I, I had, a, had a look at them, and uh, they were quite interesting animals, uh, as one of the guys has referred to them, uh, you know, uh, furry razor wire. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they, are, they can be quite vicious when they are told to be. But, uh, no, I had a chat with one of the handlers, and uh, he worked me through what the guys do and how they train their dogs so that they can uh, protect the, the aircraft assets uh, in the evenings and things like that when no one's around them. Uh, so that was quite an interesting little chat. Not the usual kind of, of uh, subject material we get, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Absolutely. But talking about interesting, the next place we went was uh, the one that everybody's interested in in this air show. That's the uh, pair of F-22 Raptors that are parked here. And we got to talk to a, uh, to a pilot and one of the crew chiefs there. Uh, boy fantastic looking aircraft now we should mention about that interview i'm uh, we were actually going to put the balloon uh, interview in this uh, quick cast but uh, i rushed back and uh, edited down the raptors now there's a couple of things i need to point out about that interview uh point one just about everything on that aircraft is pretty tightly controlled in terms of information so we we had to be quite deliberately vague uh in what questions we asked them uh, so yeah we couldn't drill into too much really technical with the guys um so, so that was a little bit of a, a challenge for us. Uh, the other challenge, of course, was that uh, a four-ship formation of uh, uh, Super Hornets decided to take off right in the middle of our interview. So uh, it, it's been quite roughly cut. I've uh, deliberately done it that way so you can see where the cut points are but you, you, so that you understand why I've uh, cut it that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was very noisy. <laughs> yeah, it was great being on the flight line and all that, but that is a peril of uh, doing interviews at air shows, as most of us know. But, uh, yeah, I decided, OK, OK, Steve's right. We'll... Uh, We'll skip the balloon, even though I think everyone should be hearing about balloons, and we've gone with these raptors. But uh, yeah, Steve got it. Steve got some uh, revenge on me there. I had to go off and uh, go down the other end of the tarmac and uh, and get the latest news from Timbo and uh, and chat with the guys at Tomorrow and organise a few things with them, and uh, then go across and ca- and catch up at the keyhole with Papa Smurf and get an update from him. You'll hear them later. Uh, during that time, the Haas Neptune came in, and beautiful aircraft that one. And uh, the Judy Pays Vampire also came in at about the time that I was down there talking to the Tomorrow guys. So, uh, Steve, what were you doing while I was walking a long way? Well, you know, uh, just a few short paces from the from the exit to the uh, media centre is a CCAS, uh, a CCAS simulator. So uh, we thought we'd better go and have a uh, bit of a burl around in that. So I got to uh, burl around in this lovely uh, full motion simulator. We did a uh, video uh, and audio interview there. So uh, Steve Pam, our, uh, our video guy, has taken all back and we'll be feverishly working away and all that over the next couple of days but uh yeah a, a highly realistic simulator and uh you know quite an affordable price too i was amazed uh, i won't give it away you didn't want me to tell <laughs> publicly how much they cost but uh boy it's uh, a lot cheaper than buying an aircraft i'll tell you that's for sure mm. so that's been the busy day we've had we've got lots more coming up tomorrow uh, we're working our contacts and uh, we have a very packed day tomorrow and uh, I'm looking to get Saturday and Sunday filled out as best we can around the uh, streaming hordes of uh, humans that are going to come in the gate as of tomorrow at lunchtime. Okay, so the Raptor interview will be uh, interview number two. That'll be after the ad break. But before that, we're going to go and visit with our friend Matt Hall. And we uh, we interviewed Matt in his little make- makeshift hangar that he's got uh, set up here in, in front of his aircraft. Uh, stripped of the Red Bull titles now, but uh, still looking uh, very good with his new sponsors on there. So uh, let's cut to that interview now. Yeah. 
Matt Hall, it's great to see you once again and yeah. uh, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, it's great to be here as, uh, as always. Cool. And uh, you're here at Avalon, this is your first time flying at Avalon? Uh, second time displaying. I displayed in 2007 in uh, the Giles 202, and, right. um, but this year we've uh, got the actual race plane here, so it's uh, something pretty special for the crowd to see. Cool. And can you tell us what you're doing for the crowd? Yeah, uh, we've, um, I've, I've spent the last number of months actually working up a routine that uh, it, it's a bit of a hybrid display of racing um, to demonstrate the aircraft's turning, accelerating and speed, yep. uh, but also do some you know, classic uh, freestyle stuff with tumbles and torque rolls and tail slides and uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, but what I've done that's uh, pretty pretty interesting is I've uh, put it to, uh, to music. So okay. uh, the whole thing is choreographed with point rolls to the beat and smoke on and off with the music cool. and everything. So, um, you know, if, if people get to see it, they want to be up the front so they can see me at low level yeah. and also near a speaker so you can hear the music pumping out. And it, uh, hopefully it's a bit like a uh, like a party. Cool, a bit choreographed there and throwing it around. Exactly. Nice. How long have you been practicing that routine for now? Well, I, uh, the, that, this specific routine, I started practicing it in uh, late December. So it's, uh, it's about taking about two and a half months to get it to uh, where I'm, I'm happy that it's very consistent but it's uh, it, it's it's interesting to fly to music because when you're just doing a normal display without any timing if you need if you're getting blown you can just extend over here a little bit but now it's all the music I've actually got to I've got to take from this side to give to this side so that I keep yeah. the display center in the wind so it's actually quite a, a very uh, interesting challenge to uh, to be able to make it look the same every time regardless of wind conditions to the music yeah, yeah. wind is interesting because it's been quite breezy here at Avalon the last couple of days and the other thing is it's quite overcast so does that have an effect? Um, yeah, my display, it's about a 2,500 foot ceiling. So as long as I can get uh, to 2,500, I can fly my full show. But I do have a, a low show to the music as well. Um, the wind has been challenging. Uh, I've been fortunate enough that every time I fly, it's about 30 knots across the runway. Um, <laughs> but uh, but that's, you know, that, that's part of what it is to be a, a good uh, you know, aerobatic pilot and a good demonstration pilot is, uh, is the ability to make it look like there is no wind. So um, we yeah. flew in. It was probably 30 knots uh, live side wind, you know, on crowd wind today, which is about as bad as it gets. And uh, I managed to put it on the line every time and uh, got all the points. So I was, I was pretty happy with how it went. We had a question from one of our listeners uh, talking about your training and uh, the display uh, routine when you're actually doing it about uh, provisions for emergencies, engine outs, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess that's hard to predict in, in your line of work now, but uh, what sort of, do they have any sort of general guidelines for that sort of stuff? Yeah, there's, uh, there's no uh, written, um, nothing officially written about rules and things, but, uh, and it's up to your own, uh, your own gut feeling of what you, you're prepared to do. Uh, I do see people do displays that uh, they're relying on the engine. If the engine quits and uh, they're, they're hanging it on the prop at 200 feet, they, they are going to kill themselves. Um, and uh, I've, I, you, know, I, you learn over time of what, uh, what's good and what's bad. Uh, but with my display I've got now, um, I'm basically I'm never below um, you know, 150 knots below 500 feet, um, so I'm always going fast you know, up to 250 knots at low level. So that, uh, that you know, I've, I've basically pulled engines uh, at certain times in the display, and I can always get up to a um, thousand feet uh, for to allow me to do a turn and glide back down to wherever I'm uh, operating. Uh, any time I'm doing anything that's uh, departing the aircraft, such as uh, tumbles and uh, hovers. I will always be able to uh, come out of that, you know, recover the aircraft and glide back down to the, uh, the runway. We're used to watching you doing the, the air racing, of course that's very tightly controlled away from the crowd and all that sort of stuff. Do you find the provisions here for uh, you know, demonstration flying different? Um, there's probably not as much emphasis on, um, on all of the contingencies at, an, at, at the air show. The, the air race was very, very strict about 
what we would do in certain situations. Uh, you know, we had to demonstrate at certain times in the racetrack, they would call a practice and we had to pull the engine, albeit slightly to look after it, back to idle and demonstrate where we would ditch or where we would bail out or where we would uh, do a forced landing. So we did practice it quite regularly, whereas in the air show industry, it's more personal discipline to prove that you can do it. Uh, you'll. Uh, I have actually never seen in an, in an air show, in fact, the uh, ringmaster forcing people to practice an emergency procedure um, off, off the cuff. So uh, it really is personal discipline. Um, and uh, But for me here, this is an easy environment because we've got three runways around the place. Um, some the other places I do displays, it will probably end up with me trying to put the aircraft on, on a road or uh, in a field or something, which is never going to be good in a plane like this. But the only person at risk when I'm doing that is me and I'm the one that then assesses how, how high or low am I going to fly to give myself altitude so I can prepare myself to either bail out or put it in a, in a tight spot. Yep. yep. Cool. Now, uh, so you, you're doing your show at Avalon, you've been doing all your rehearsal and so on. What else have you been up to since last we chatted? We've heard some things. <laughs> I've, uh, I've been doing quite a bit. Um, I've, uh, I've been doing my helicopter training, which yep. has been uh, been uh, quite exciting. Um, I, I'm really enjoying that, actually. It's, uh, it's a different uh, aspect of flying that I've always been interested in, but uh, you know, to go and commit into that, it's been been great. And I, I, I don't know what the future holds with flying helicopters, but I think you know, me and helicopters will have a future together. Um, I've been uh, setting the aircraft up. Yep. Uh, we've we've got uh, the, our um, our sponsors on board with uh, Marcel. So the aircraft you can see is yep. new paint scheme. People actually don't recognise it because they they're used to seeing Matt all on the yeah. wings. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, so the where's yellow. the race plane? It's like this is it. This is the race plane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, doing this type of thing. But then doing a little bit of uh, flying in the Mustang as well. Nice. Um, so which is uh, it's always a fun thing to do. The hard world. Yeah. yeah. And then um, apart from that, really, um, yeah, some a little bit of corporate speaking about yeah. um, about you know what the 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 interesting life I've led so far <laughs> and uh, and and how I've how I've gone about achieving these things and um, and and the most important thing I've had is actually some family time uh, after yeah. spending the last effectively three years including the training for the race of just being flat out on the road with uh, you know no time at home or in Australia yeah. I, I'm really enjoying uh, being an Australian again so yeah. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a great um, a great a great couple of months while at, at times stressful with yeah. not knowing what the future holds. Uh, in other ways, I'm, uh, I'm actually looking after myself a bit better. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm sure Padita is pretty happy to have you around a bit more. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> she's, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's always saying, you know, you need to get out and do something. Get, having you around. Go flying. Get out of here. Go flying. You're getting underfoot. Go. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, yeah, the, the whole family and Mitchell's having a great time having his dad okay. around a bit more. So cool. uh, all in all, uh, life's actually, c- considering um, how abruptly the race stopped and, and how uncertain the future yeah. is. Uh, the life's actually quite good for me at the moment. I'm feeling quite relaxed about things. Okay. Well, let's have a talk about that because that's obviously what our listeners will want to know. We have not heard much from the Red Bull media people who are usually pretty good at keeping us in the loop, as it were, but uh, yep. what's, what's the latest with that? Uh, basically, they're, um, they're, they've, they've uh, completely uh, shut down the whole air race. Uh, they've closed the company, uh, parked all the assets, um, and they have uh, now hired a new CEO, uh, who's a, a businessman from uh, from uh, Germany, uh, a, quite a successful businessman who's worked in a lot of uh, global projects before. So he's got a holistic understanding of how things work in the uh, in the global global sense. He is now looking at you know where all the costs were, analysing, uh, basically doing an audit of what has happened, where the costs were, where costs can be uh, removed where money can be um, brought in as uh, is income, uh, what rules, et cetera, and procedures, uh, what we'll use for race planes. So they're starting from a clean slate. 
because they're starting from a clean slate, no one knows how long it'll be until they've gathered all the information to then say, this is the business plan, this is what we're going to do, and this is how long it'll take. So at the moment, um, us as race pilots, um, the air race itself, um, which effectively is only one or two people at the moment, don't even know themselves when it will recommence because until they gather all the data, to be able to make an informed decision, there's no point putting a stake mm. in the ground because you're probably going to have to move it anyway. Yeah. So um, what, what we have been told is definitely uh, no racing, racing in 2011. Uh, and uh, at the moment, indications are that it's probably more than likely not going to have any formal championship in 2012 as well. Um, does that mean we won't be doing anything? I, I don't know. Uh, I think when the race starts to reform, there's going to be a lot of work and a lot of media and a lot of uh, build up to Mm. it, which will actually keep us all quite busy as well. Uh, When will that happen? I am really um, just as much at a loss as uh, really uh, everyone else, including I'd say Red Bull as they're they're trying to gather data. Yeah, it's obviously a very expensive sport and a very expensive, you know, there's lots of expensive machinery to keep current. So there's got to come a point, I guess, for all you guys where you're going to have to say, well, we can't wait any longer. And I guess it sounds like some pilots have really already taken that step. That, that is correct. Uh, it is, um, yeah, while it's a fun event, uh, there, there's also um, personal commitment and time and uh, a future that you need to develop yourself. So, um, you yeah, know, I, I, uh, I would jump back in the race in a heartbeat, but it needs to have the correct rewards. If, uh, you know, if the race came back and said, hey, we're bringing the race back and you've got to do it uh, for free, Obviously, uh, yeah, it, that, that's not going to work. Uh, so there has to be some sort of uh, you know reward for it. Um, you know, the competition is great, the flying's great, expensive piece of machinery right here behind us that uh, I've now got set up for racing, yeah. uh, and uh, it, it it needs to be used for something to make money. Um, I, I think most pilots that were in the race uh, have taken the opinion that it's um, while something is probably going to happen somewhere somehow, it's better to commit as though it's not happening so that you can get some personal velocity mm-hmm. of improving yourself and getting the business, your own business and uh, your own direction sold so that when the race does come back, you're actually already sitting financially okay, yeah, ready yeah, yeah. ready to go, rather than twiddling your thumbs mm. and the longer it goes, you know, depression sets in and all those sorts yeah. of things. So that's pretty much what I think all the parts have done, including myself, to, you know, to get some direction, try some new things. And uh, when the race comes back, then we're, we're set to go. Yep. Okay. Now, um, the last time I was this close to this aircraft, Matt, was in Perth last year, and uh, we know we've talked quite often about some of the technical challenges you've had with this, but yep. uh, how's it performing now? You've had, uh, we know we had weight and balance was an issue for you at one point. How's, yep. how's it all going now? Um, I'm, I'm now happy with the aircraft. Um, hey. There's still some things that would be great to do to it, but um, for where we are, I'm, I like the way it flies. Uh, we did a lot of work on its, um, on its flight controls, uh, with, especially in pitch, um, to, 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 to get it to behave like a normal aircraft. Um, well, that's the thing, it's not a normal aircraft. Though. Yeah, yeah. Well, just do go, yeah, cows get small, cows, you know, yeah. cows get big. That, that concept, we've actually got that. Yeah, yeah. got that working now that it works in the correct sense. Um, so in that regard, it's going well. Uh, the engine, we've, we've got the temperatures now under control um, with the, the engine, with um, uh, some, some different ideas of cooling with plenums and uh, exit uh, strategies, etc. Um, and we're definitely, um, you know, I'm leaving now the aircraft as is um, for at least this next season. Um, and then after, I'll probably expect that uh, at the end of 2011, if we're not hearing anything more about the air race, mm. I'll probably start looking to modify the aircraft um, to 
keep it in its race look, but uh, I'd probably start looking at uh, moving the ailerons back uh, to full span again and probably mm -hmm. putting a bigger rudder back on it again okay. because I do find that when I'm doing the air show stuff, I am very limited in uh, the uh, the slow speed handling. I, I'm working very very hard with the aircraft, so very fine touch to, to balance it uh, with the without the prop wash on the uh, on the oh, big rudder and the yeah. uh, ailerons. So if I'm going to continue down the line of this being a demonstration aircraft, I probably should invest some money yeah. to turn it into a, you know so it can do both aerobatics and racing. Yeah. If the races is coming back and this plane is going to race. I wouldn't then bother with the slow speed yeah. handling and I'd probably invest more on things like wing tips and fairings yeah. to go for speed. So 12 months time, we'll know what we're doing hopefully. This yep. plane will stay as is now, I'm happy with it. Yep. And um, and then we'll see what goes from there. Yep. Are you still flying the Giles at all or is that sort of gone? Um, it's still available to me. Uh, I don't fly it a great deal. Um, I did fly it earlier this year, but um, we, we do have a, uh, we've got a couple of ideas that we're pursuing at the moment for, um, use of a two-seat aircraft as a business so um, without uh, without spilling too many beans uh, hopefully uh, next time we talk we'll have uh, we'll have some more information about uh, what we're doing in that regard with having uh, yeah, a Matt Hall racing uh, two-seat aircraft that's used for uh, certain things as well. Now we were up at uh, Amberley recently we were talking to a former colleague of yours <laughs> uh, Wing Commander Terence Deeth and he sends his regards uh, not too uh, sure about your uh, B111 comment that you made to us. <laughs> <laughs> How did he know about the V111 comment? Did you guys tell him or did oh, he hear no, it? I, I can't imagine. imagine. He must be a fan of the show, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, if you see Deethy, he's probably actually around here somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's no B111s anymore, so he's going to retired. comment's gone. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see him flying a yeah. uh, Red Bull or race plane or something like that. Yeah, soon, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, he'll uh, looking for a job. <laughs> Yeah, he's not exactly on the hot supers at the moment, I don't think. No, no, I don't. I, I, I think he's I'm flying not, a desk. Yeah, that's a bugger. Yeah, yeah. He, he needs to. He needs to get out. <laughs> not get out of the airport. Get out in the world yeah, and fly yeah. planes. Get out and fly. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we've managed to massage that along a bit for a few more episodes. Ooh, I think yeah. our job is done. Yeah, <laughs> our work is done here. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to say? Well, we got you here. Any other any other news or info? Um, nothing. Nothing really of uh, of note apart from yeah. There's a there's a lot of ideas that are floating around in the in the Matt Hall Racing Camp where we're you know we've got a lot of um, a lot of business ideas that we're bouncing around so hopefully in the next month or two we'll have some some a couple of decisions made uh, business-wise that will be uh, interesting to talk about for you guys so uh, in the meantime I'll, uh, I'll just keep working on them and um, and let you know when uh, we've got any uh, good announcements uh, for the aviation industry yeah that'd be awesome Excellent. Perfect. cool Matt thank you very much for coming on the show pleasure thanks Mike thanks guys cheers cool. Whether you're buying or selling a light single-engine aircraft or a corporate jet, do it faster and easier with aviationadvertiser.com.au. Aviationadvertiser.com.au is Australia's largest aviation marketplace. As the country's largest source of aircraft classifieds, you'll find hundreds of new and used aircraft of all types online 24 hours a day. With ads from just $39 and the convenience of buying and selling online, it's easy and affordable. Connect with Australia's largest buy and sell aviation community at aviation. I'm Matt Hall. Hi, I'm Matt Hall. I'm Matt Hall. No, I'm Matt Hall. No, I'm Matt Hall. Everyone wants to be Australia's champion Red Bull Air Race pilot, and now you can own a piece of Matt Hall memorabilia. Polos, T-shirts and caps for all shapes and sizes can be found at matthallracing.com. Just go to the online store and you too can be in the loop. Hello, I'm Matt Hall. <laughs> Thank you.
This Avalon Quickcast episode is brought to you by Red Baron Adventures and Advanced Flight Training. Whether it's the ride of your life or taking your skills to a whole new level, Red Baron's professional staff of skilled pilots can take you to the limits. Go to www.redbaron.com.au for more details. Hi, this is Max from the Airplane Geeks Podcast. You're listening to Plane Crazy Down Under's coverage of the Australian International Air Show, recorded live at Avalon 2011. Nick, welcome to uh, Playing Crazy Down Under. We're uh, standing here in front of your ra- one of your Raptors. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, mate? Sure. I'm uh, from upstate New York originally, currently yeah. stationed at Elmendorf Air Force Base up in Alaska. Uh, I've been flying the Raptor for a couple of years now and happy to be here. And next to you we've got Tom. Tom, could you tell us about yourself? Absolutely. G'day, I'm Tom. Okay. I'm a lieutenant in the Air Force. I was actually raised in Perth. Yeah. And uh, decided to go off and uh, join the U.S. military. Okay. And I was fortunate enough to be attached with these guys in the Raptors, so it's great. And I'm okay. a maintenance officer. And you said g'day very well, because how long were you right. in Perth? I left when I was 17. Okay. That's 16 years ago. Okay. Joined well, the dots. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, uh, you went straight into the Air Force out of high school? Uh, yes, went to the Air Force Academy out of high school, so four yeah. years there. And yeah. then uh, pilot training after that, and uh, here I am. Okay. So, what kind of aircraft have you flown? In training, I started in T-37 suites, uh, yep. then T-38s, uh, then I went down to uh, F-15C training in Florida. Okay. Spent a couple of years flying F-15s in Japan, okay. and then uh, made a transition over to F-22s. Okay. And how was that transition? It was good. The F-15 is okay. a great jet, uh, very capable, a combat record of 104 to 0. Yeah. So it was, it was tough to uh, tough to leave that, yeah. but with the opportunity to fly the F-22, I had to take it. Oh yeah, you can't let that one it's go. great. Yeah, great okay. jet. Cool. And Tom, you came over from Australia to the US. Uh, did you do your entrance before you went over? Did you say, I want to join the USAF, or did you have to go over and do a whole lot of citizenship first? No, I was actually already a US citizen because I was born in the States. Okay. So I kind of was a dual citizen for right. a while, so it was, which was nice. Makes it easier. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay, that really So uh, I enlisted originally and okay. had a completely different career field. Yeah. And then uh, did about 10 years enlisted and then okay. went to OTS okay. and uh, became a maintenance officer that way. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Now, uh, we'll deal with maintenance as we're talking you. It's actually really topical for us because we were at Amberley recently talking to an American gentleman who transferred from the US Navy to the Australian Air Force. So now we're talking to someone the other way around. That's right, yeah. So uh, tell us about the maintenance side of the uh, the F-22 before we talk about the really cool flying stuff. It's obviously uh, (laughs) very challenging to uh, learn to uh, It sure is, absolutely. I mean, it's a maturing aircraft and uh, it's still in its infancy. So as far as the maintenance aspect, we deal a lot with the um, field representatives from the other agencies to really kind of develop it better and make sure the maintenance gets better. I mean, everything's pretty new, so uh, yeah. it's all new to everyone. Okay. Um, we have a team of amazing specialists, uh, crew chiefs, avionics specialists, weapons guys, and our support personnel is so outstanding. And we have a huge team that works in it. Basically, we conduct an orchestra every single day to make sure <laughs> these guys get up in the air. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I imagine it's uh, not so much on the tools these days, it's more sitting around with laptops and computers and all that sort of stuff. We do. We have little laptops that go in that directly connect up to the airplane that's supposed to tell us everything that's going on with it, and most of the time it does. But, as of course, like I said, it's still in its infancy. There's always glitches in computers, and uh, we're just slowly working through them, and every day we learn something new. Okay. Cool. Well, just what, yeah, that's that G3. Approximately how many hours are you spending for every flight hour to maintain it? Are you allowed to tell us ballpark about that? But how many maintenance hours for every yeah, flight out? Depends how rough these guys run them. <laughs> <laughs> for, when for when it comes like down, bring it back all messed up. <laughs> that's about hours. four or five shifts. That's about two days of repairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, realistically, we do we do 
basic test after we uh, give it a whole once over when they come back down and it really all depends on what's broken and how tough it is to get through to get to it. Okay. Removing certain panels requires a lot more restore stuff on the other end. Yeah. So uh, it can take a long time. In terms of how often do you have to go in on the thing? Is it is it mostly the, just re checking the computers, recalibrating and it's, and a, it's a daily event. It's okay. every single shift is going in there every time it comes up, every yeah. time it comes down, every time we're prepping it. We all have to hook it up and then we have to link it up with our service. Yep. So yes, it's a okay. daily event. Okay. And when you say it's in its infancy, obviously we know that they're not producing them anymore, but uh, obviously with a lot of the new technology, there must still be a lot of development uh, going on and a lot of research that goes with the, uh, the materials that are on it, the systems. It's constant and we're fortunate to have some amazing engineers who work with us right there on site. And so they can, it's great for them, they can see exactly what we're going through, we can tell them exactly what's wrong. I know that we get words from them from the other side of the house who tell us what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And then when it doesn't work that way, it's great to have them right there to identify that yeah. and then fix it on the spot. Yeah, no, 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 we did do what you said and look. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, look, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah I come from an what IT about... background as oh, well. Oh, really? So, yeah, yes. I've been there when, the, when, the, when you're saying to the engineers who built the system that you're trying to install for the client, yeah. Absolutely, it can be yeah. very frustrating. Yeah, but it all works out in the end. That's right, that's right. Okay, and how was it bringing the uh, Raptors down from, you came straight down from Alaska, where did you stage through? Uh, we came from Japan for this trip down here, 11 okay. hours down with a couple tankers. Okay. And uh, there was some weather on the way. Hit <laughs> a couple depressions, worked our way around, and okay. uh, got the jets in. And you, how much room have you gotten there to you know, <laughs> stretch if you've got it? <laughs> about that much yeah. <laughs> that's about it the f-15 is is a bigger bubble canopy yeah. more room to move around you can push off the sides yeah. and stretch out a little bit but the f-22 is a it's a pretty small cockpit as you can see from up here oh yeah, yeah. so i mean the inevitable question of uh what do you have to do to get out at the end of an 11 hour flight <laughs> do, do, do you have to like you know massage your legs a bit to get out or you is just it wave the beer in front of him <laughs> oh yeah i forgot that. i'll be down the ladder in no time <laughs> someone said beer <laughs> An interesting thing, Nick, with the seating position, we know with the F-16 that the pilot sits uh, slightly reclined in that cockpit. How is the seating position in the F-22? Is it similar to that, or have they, they got you sitting more upright? It's a little bit more upright. It's not as, as reclined as in the F-16. The F-15 is pretty straight up, okay. um, especially compared to the Viper. This is tilted a little bit more back, okay. um, but pretty similar to the F-15. Okay. So how is she to fly? It's, it's Wonderful. What are you allowed to tell us about her handling and, and things like that? Um, it's, it's very natural to fly. Okay. Um, anybody that can uh, pull back on the stick and roll left and right knows how to fly it. Okay. Uh, very easy to land. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any two-seat trainers in the yeah. inventory. So you, you, your first flight in the F-22 is your solo flight. <laughs> oh, wow. So you better not mess it up. <laughs> Under pressure. <laughs> and, and how is it, I take it you've got simulators that allow you to get yep. used to it? Yeah, we have simulators. Okay. Uh, we put a, a decent amount of time in there to make sure we know all the switchology, all the checklists, yeah. uh, what we need to be doing, and, and uh, how to recover from different emergency procedures. Yep. And then we hop in the jet and uh, and have a ball. Okay. And how, how close is the fidelity of the simulator? Is it like except for the G's and all that kind of stuff? Is it very yeah, close? It, it is very good. Okay. Yeah. Flies very close. To the so, now from a handling perspective and a pilot workload, uh, like some of the older aircraft, you are on that stick and throttle all the time and yeah. keeping it right. How much do the computer systems help you on these ones? Quite a bit. Uh, it, it's a very stable platform. The flight yeah. controls are all uh, computer programmed based on your inputs. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit lower on the workload for the flight controls. Yeah. Uh, very smooth, which allows you to take care of some other things you need in the cockpit. Yeah. And w one of the, the challenges that first made the transition to the Raptor is that it's it's easier to fly, and there's so much information that's almost information overload okay, yeah. in the cockpit on your displays. Yeah. So that's what you need to spend your time on. Okay. Coming up to speed on all the computer systems yeah. and everything. Okay. 
Cool. And um, in terms of the general handling now, you're saying you, know, you can bank left and right, you can fly it, yep. but uh, compared to an F-15, uh, how is it in terms of like turn and burn and all that kind of stuff, there's responsiveness? Um, very good turn capability uh, yep. for both jets. The problem with uh, that I had with the F-15 was over <laughs> Okay. There were uh, several occasions that I pulled a few too many Gs and <laughs> overstressed the jet. Oops. Um, which is a little bit more difficult to do in the F-22, so yeah. maybe that's the reason why I got that assignment. <laughs> Take it yeah. a little bit easier stop, on the inventory. Stop breaking our jets, go yeah. fly that one. <laughs> yeah, Sim similar turn performance. Uh, some are kind of thrust a little bit more of the Raptor. Okay. Um, and uh, slightly different flight controls. Okay. Yeah. And uh, in terms of the missions that you're flying, it's all um, like combat, uh, high altitude, that kind of thing, combat air support? For the most part. Um, you know, we have a building block approach. You start with 1v1 uh, BFM or dogfighting. Okay. And work your way up to a 2v X scenario and then larger and larger force okay. uh, type of scales. Okay. Um, mostly air to air. Yeah. Uh, defensive counter air, we're protecting an area or a point. Yeah. Offensive counter air, where we're either escorting in strikers or we ourselves are going to go in and uh, strike. Okay. Um, so and that's probably all we do. So in terms of the strike, that's similar to the uh, F-15 Strike Eagle. In that similar. Respect? Yeah. Similar. But uh, we, we take the strengths of the Raptor. Yeah. We're going to go a little bit higher, a little bit faster. Yeah. And uh, a little bit stealthier. Yeah. And uh, get where we need to go. Okay. Cool. How does the uh, the weapons loadout compared to the F-15? Is it a similar sort of uh, loadout that you carry on the air? Right. If if we're going for an air-to-air -air mission, we'll have the same loadout: six Amrams and uh, two M9s. And for the what kind of things would you carry in a strike mission? Um, we have the capability to carry uh, JDAMs, okay. uh, just two 1,000-pound bombs at a time. Okay. Now that I noticed you've got a couple of tanks on the on the wings there. That's right. Uh, now, would you carry the JDAMs internally or externally? Yes, everything is carried internally. Even okay. our gun is internal. Okay. Now, in terms of the F-22 program, obviously, it'll be highly competitive for you to get into. I suppose it's more than just a matter of uh, breaking too many F-15 airframes before they push <laughs> you onto this. <laughs> yep. Uh, probably um, a lot of good timing. Um, some guys are selected straight from pilot training, and that's going to be highly, highly competitive. We have uh, three of the guys down here, actually, out of the six of us, came straight out of pilot training to F-22 training. Wow. Very competitive, very high selective, and uh, they've done very well. Um, the rest of us that are a little bit more senior, they've been around for a couple more years. As we see these new guys come up, we thought it would be a little bit of a challenge to get them up to speed, up on the step, but they've done very, very well. And for yourself, Tom, what was the, uh, like, how much in terms of competition to get in as, on the maintenance side? You know, as far as maintenance goes for the F-22, we give it our best. Yeah. We have uh, extremely smart, capable individuals who are dedicated to it, and uh, we choose the best to work on the best that we have. Okay. So absolutely, we pick and choose. Yeah. The choice of the choosing. That's right. Okay. Now, the other interesting fact that we learned uh, when you guys came out here is that you've got an Australian pilot on exchange sure do. come out with you. So, uh, obviously, they have you in hand all the A's with him and do all the translation and all that sort of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. That's why we're dedicated here. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And uh, how's he? Obviously, he's probably a, a, a Hornet driver before that. So, uh, had it. Uh, you know, how's he sort of fitted into flying the, the I don't know. You might not be he is, uh, He's a brilliant pilot. He, was, uh, he went to the FCI program here in Australia, which is the equivalent of our weapons school instruction. Yeah. Um, kind of like a Top Gun, but yeah. the Air Force version. That, And uh, he's, a, he's a very smart instructor. Um, handles the Raptor very well. Uh, he's able to teach a lot of us um, quite a bit about the plane. So cool. that's the focus for him would be, obviously, to uh, increase his skills base and come back here and pass that on to our pilots. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Someone's got to translate for that's us. Right. Yeah. Uh, Nick and Tom, were there, was there anything else you wanted to say while we've got you here before the uh, Formation Birds come back? Just happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Okay. Absolutely. It's an amazing country. So glad to be back and glad to bring our guys over here and show the world. It's great. Okay. Thanks for having us. Cool.
And now it's time for Timbo's Tarmac. Okay, we're out here on the tarmac with Timbo. Timbo, what's been happening on your tarmac today? Yeah, well, we've uh, less and less stealth aircraft. We actually got some jets today, which was yeah. nice to see. Excellent. Yes, I see we've got tomorrow have sent down the uh, Sabre and the Media. They are. The Sabre and the Media are here. Vampire's just arrived as well, but we're popping that straight in the hangar. That's where it's going to spend the night, and we'll get that one out tomorrow. Okay. So tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> yes, uh, Hudson was uh, held up. We've put that in at uh, Point Cook. There was too much crosswind for it today. So okay. put it in there, and uh, we'll bring that across in the morning. Okay. Weather permit. Cool. So uh, it looks like you're going to have a pretty crowded little uh, tarmac tomorrow. Yes, plenty more to come. We've still got the museum aircraft to come down and uh, the Harvards. So yeah. there's going to be five Harvards now, not four. So wow. yeah, plenty to come. That's going to be a very packed out warbird tarmac. You'll be a happy boy. That's what we like to see. Yes. Cool. And right now we're actually standing over in the keyhole because right now today you're doing Timbo's taxi service. I think it is, yes. Uh, Judy Page just arrived in the Vampire, so we've shuttled her around a little bit. And then I had uh, one of the more interesting requests, which was to pick up the crew off the Tiger aircraft and uh, bring them across to have a look at the Raptors. <laughs> Mate, you're a legend, you do everything. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Help them out, do what we can. Cool. Thanks, Timbo, and uh, we'll come and see you uh, probably t- about this time tomorrow. Yeah, well, tomorrow's a busy day, so yeah. give us a call and we'll certainly help out. Thanks, mate. All right, mate. And now it's time for In the Keyhole with Papa Smurf. We're sitting inside here at the uh, keyhole control room with Papa Smurf. Mate, how was your day today? Wasn't too bad. Uh, we've had a bit of variety today. Uh, first up, we had a Cessna Citation VIP aircraft come in. Uh, we put him to one side in the keyhole and just left him there for a while. Uh, we've also looked after a Herc today. The ADF uh, had to shuffle around to get the Herc out so we could launch it this afternoon, which we did. That was the one that was on static display. Yeah. Ah, yeah. okay. Sitting on the taxiway, and uh, we also had a an old UH-1B Navy oh, helicopter yeah. from the uh, Naval Museum at Nowra. It turned up, okay. so we put it in the uh, entrance to the keyhole uh, until we got the Herc clear, and then we put it on its wheels, got it out of the way. Cool. Earlier in the day, we had a bit of old stuff rock up. Yeah. We had a Catalina, the Black Cat, yep. from uh, the Historical Aircraft Restoration Society at Albion Park. Yep, so uh, that was their, that's their PBY sitting over in the corner there now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, just recently we had the uh, DC-3 turn up from yep. Mars. Excellent. Uh, we'll be here probably until about 8 o'clock tonight waiting oh. for Connie. Oh, she's coming in tonight. Yeah, the mobile oil leaks on its way in. <laughs> Yeah, it does leak a bit, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I made the big mistake of walking behind her when she was starting an engine Oops. the last show. <laughs> so did you reek of engine oil? oil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's happened today. We've still got the B-1 bomber, the two F-22 Raptors, uh, the CASA 235, yep. and, and uh, the two C-17s. Yeah, the, the Aussie one. And the, the CJ-27 Spartan. Which is absolutely and insane. Magic airship. Mate, watching that, watching that guy roll a baby Herc inverted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not even a positive 1G barrel roll. He's doing yeah. like just an aileron roll around. Yeah, and he does a side slip in it. And that, yeah. I've never seen an aircraft that size do yeah. anything like that before, it's other than the C-27. Yeah, well, it's like somebody's yeah. taken two engines off a Hercules and shrunk it. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're, and they're and, uh, chucking it around like a fighter. I had a whisper that they took the Chief of Air Force for a ride today. I don't know whether uh, that's true or not. Uh, well, I didn't see them actually take the people on board. Uh, yeah. I was on the other side of the keyhole when 
they started up. Okay. I'm not sure. Sh- we've got a couple of hercs in and out tomorrow. Okay. So we're almost to the stage where we'll have a full keyhole. Yeah, well, once once the Super Constellation gets squeezed in there, I take it she'll sit in between the cat and the and the Spartan yeah. on, the, on the deck. Yeah. yeah. Well, yep, it's not a lot it certainly will. And uh, then all the fun will begin. Tomorrow afternoon we start getting the public in. Yeah, and it all goes to hell. Is that the phrase? <laughs> it, uh, it's certainly a challenge because yeah. most of them aren't used to being around aircraft, so it makes our job... Uh, not harder, but make, we have to be a little bit more alert yep. to what's going on. Yep. Uh, so we use the trade days as practice. Yep. Yeah, and hopefully by the, the Friday afternoon, we've perfected it. Cool. Are you going to have much traffic um, in terms of aircraft going in and out of the keyhole during the public days? Not a hell of a lot, but we will have traffic in and out okay. like the CJ27. I think Connie's in and out. Yeah. Uh, one of the Hercs possibly will be. Okay. And other than that, I'm not sure. I don't think. Oh, yes, the C, one of the C-17s is going okay. flying. So what we do there is uh, we just get the uh, the uh, area marshals. Yeah. They're the blokes in the orange. Okay. Yeah. Shirt. Uh, we get them to move the crowd out of the road. Yeah. And then we tow the aircraft out to a safe area. Okay. And then we start it up. We don't start it up in the, in the area. It's not. That's the C-17 shutting the back yeah, door. Yeah, I was going to say, it's them shutting up shop. <laughs> yeah. A lot of high-pitched wine and a lot of banging. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that'll wrap it for today. Uh, I'll uh, look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Yeah, it'll, we'll probably come through sometime in the af- late afternoon before the night show really well, kicks Don't worry, up. we'll still be here. <laughs> cool. Thanks, All Papa right. Smurf. No worries. Cool. Well, uh, thanks, Timbo, and thanks, Papa Smurf. Another really interesting day out there on the tarmac and in the keyhole. Uh, Grant, as you heard the, the interview there, uh, I cut it down for the, the Raptor crew and uh, a little disappointed that we couldn't ask them. I know our friend David Vanderhoof will be screaming, saying, dude, ask them this, ask them that. But uh, trust me, uh, there were some miners around ensuring we didn't do that. So <laughs> we, had a lo- we actually had a lady from the U.S. Embassy who was like, can't talk about that, can't do this, can't go there. Yeah. Uh, so we were quite uh, strictly controlled on Yeah, what but look, uh, that's understandable. It's it's a thrill just to see those aircraft here, and uh, wasn't it interesting to find that uh, that, that Aussie accent? It blew me away. When oh the, yeah. The young lieutenant came out there. I thought, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> he said, "G'day, mate." I thought, oh, "G'day." Uh, he's, he's, he's doing that accent pretty well, and yeah, it's because he was raised here. <laughs> all right, we're going to wrap it up here for day three at Avalon. We're going to uh, get back, get this all in the editing suite, and get it out for you, folks. We really hope that you're enjoying this uh, quick cast series, and uh, be assured that uh, we're banking a lot of content. I reckon there'll be two minimum, probably even three episodes to come. Uh, with all the other additional content that we've recorded. So oh. there's some, some fascinating and interesting stuff. So, yeah, hopefully all this running around and recording is going to pay off. <laughs> well, that wraps it up here, folks, and uh, we'll uh, head back up the Geelong Freeway now and get back into the editing. Yeah, Cheers. time for me to drive while you edit. Absolutely. <laughs> Ciao, y'all. You've been listening to Plane Crazy Down Under, recorded live at Avalon 2011. Proudly brought to you by Aviation Advertiser, with classified ads starting as low as $39. Connect with Australia's largest buy and sell aviation community, aviationadvertiser.com.au. Show notes, links to our forum, Facebook fan page, YouTube channel and our PCDU Twitter feed can be found at our website, planecrazydownunder.com. 
Contact us with feedback, story ideas or advertising inquiries. Drop us a line anytime. Playingcrazydownunder at gmail.com. Playing Crazy Down Under is a Southern Skies online media podcast. Thank you.